So, any questions tonight? Yes. Chapter Bhagavad Gita, you quote a um, commentary of uh, Madhusudana Saraswati how uh, Jivan Mukta Gyani um, may attain Rati, but this Rati will just disappear when he gets liberated. And I was thinking, since uh, Brahma Vadis to attain Brahman, uh, they cannot offend Bhakti, and Rati is result of Bhakti. How can this rapid disappear? Mm-hmm. Well, um, first of all, Madhusudan Saraswati was a contemporary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he never met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he was a very prominent uh, Advaitin in terms of argumentation and authorship. Hmm? Um, and it's apparent from some of his writing that, he, that of course, that he was acquainted with uh, the contributions of the uh, some of the Goswamis. Hmm? For example, he wrote a book called Bhakti Rasayana, which is rather peculiar for an Advaitin, giving an Advaitin perspective on Bhakti Rasa. Hmm? So you have to think that he... I'm not sure of his dates, but I, I would imagine he was um, contending a little bit with uh, currents from Gaudi Sampradaya, like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And um, and he was a great uh, Advait, from a Dwaitan perspective, devotee of, of Krishna. He had more affection for Krishna, it would appear, than, than some devotees. But because it was from an Advaitin perspective, it's um, it's problematic ultimately. <clears throat> and so, uh, in in the works of Vishwanath Chakritakur, I'm, I'm not sure. It, I'm, perhaps in something, some things Jiva Goswami and Sanatan Goswami have written as well. He has been cited. Uh, I cite him several places within uh, my Gita commentary. And um, that is mostly taken from Vishwanath Chakravartyakur's citing him as well. So um, I think Vishwanath Chakravartyakur cites him mostly to say, well, and even Madhusudan Saraswati says this. Um, so, but if you look at him in, in, in his entirety of his teachings, he's a very um, dedicated. Advaitin. So there is a class of Advaitins, and this is an interesting point, there's a class of Advaitins who um, also factor bhakti into their pursuit. Well, it's quite often thought, and I'm, Shankar may have even um, said this himself, that uh, for those who have more of an emotional temperament and disposition, then they may be more inclined towards bhakti. So they may factor some, some bhakti uh, into their into their practice, that's often translated today for the less intelligent people. They do bhakti, <laughs> and the intelligent people they do gyan. Of course, now we would disagree with this, and it would be hard to find a a bigger-headed gyani than Madhusudan Saraswati, and he obviously factored bhakti 
into his um, into his practice in a substantial way. But uh, there's a problem that arises with Advaita Vedanta in particular mm. that doesn't necessarily arise in the school of Gyan, per se. So, if, for example, one is a Gyani and seeks to attain union with Brahman, with the undifferentiated feature of the Absolute, he or she can do so with the addition of some bhakti to their practice. This is the teaching of the Gita when Krishna says, Mam, he says, Mam evie prapadimte mayametam turantite. Otherwise, it is insurmountable, material nature. But by surrender to me, then it's possible. So, without bhakti, it's not possible. Unless he opens the door, it's not possible. Without some grace, you can't storm your way in there from a, on, the, on the fuel of a practice that's governed by sattva guna because it is near Guna. Now that's our teaching, and it's a good teaching, and it's very scripturally supported. There's many statements to that effect. But the Advaitins are learned, and they have their own interpretations of verses, and so on and so forth. And um, and so within the school of the Advaitins, the unfortunate thing is that it's very difficult to be an Advaitin and not offend Bhakti or Bhagwan if your very philosophy is that God has no form, eternal form, that could be taken as an offense. And that's central to the uh, Dwaitin perspective. They have this two-tier of Brahmins, and there's the Nirguna Brahman, which is the ultimate absolute, and then within the world, some Saguna, Sattvagun constituted, you could say, form of... Um, the Ishwar, the Brahman, called Ishwar, appears, teaches, becomes a focal point for some and so forth too, as what you cited seems to say, uh, focal point to hold on to and then let go of. And so the Bhagavatam clearly teaches also, I should mention, that um, that uh, it says, um, there are those who, uh, these are the prayers of the demigods to uh, Krishna within the womb of Devaki. That there are those who think that they're liberated. Avishuddha Buddha, they have their intelligence, but their intelligence is not yet um, pure. Yenye Ravindaksha Vimukta Maninas, something, something, Avishuddha Buddha. You gotta remember now. Um, and Aruya Kritchena Param Padam Tata, Padam Tihado, the words I'm missing, they, they, because they, they offend Bhakti, they fall down from their position of apparent liberation. So this verse is a famous verse, and uh, when the Gaudiya Vaishnavism, it's cited by Krishna Das Kaviraj and Chaitanya Charitamrita, 
in reference as a reference to jivan muktas in in gyan marg who have uh, come to the point where all their aparabdha karma is expired and only the prabdha karma is yet to expire and they're not responding to it to perpetuate it right not plugged into it to perpetuate it so they're just it's, it's passing and they're observing the passing and so forth and it it's past means death and then from jivan mukta to videha videha mukta beyond the body and their goal is to as i say have union with 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 uh, with this feature of the absolute brahman that's their preoccupation which has a likeness which is the atma has a likeness to mm-hmm. um so uh, again krishna skaviraj raj goswami invokes this verse in chaitanya charitamrita describing the jivan mukta mm-hmm. which is a term that also is used very rarely i mean once it's used cited in bhakti samrita sindhu i've never seen it used anywhere else in reference to bhakti it's more typically a, a term that's used for gyanis but rupa goswami cites from some purana or tantra i forget that uh, ahiri va no it's what does he say um karma namanasagira with the one whose actions mind intelligence words he goes on to say are engaged in krishna service jivan mukta usauchite he's a, he's a he's a jivan mukta she's a jivan mukta but typically it's a a, a term that um is invoked within the gyan marg and that's how Kaviraj Goswami is using it and he says there that if the jivan mukta who is in the penultimate state before attaining brahman you could call him self-realized but not brahman realized and there's a there's a big difference between the two one is within is still behind bars and there of the world there's a chance that he could make a mistake even though he's already his release has already been um um signed by the judge on the 30th of the month he will be released okay but then if he turns and shoots somebody in the jail <laughs> then he goes back into solitary confinement right so you want to be on your best behavior at that time um and so if ajivan mukta as he says this verse refers to offends bhakti then he falls down from his position of jivan mukti from vidya mukti well there's no there's nobody who's going to fall from where you know that's, not, that's beyond the gunas that's that's a form of god realization um so now when we say that's a form of gradualization we we say that the jivatma is resting in brahman and in that condition he doesn't differentiate himself from brahman but he still is different from brahman by way of being a particle of the tatasta shakti of brahman so there's no merging like the advaitans propose who also proposed that there is no real individual atma to begin with there's only brahman so you do away with material conditioning and you realize that you're brahman hmm? 
Um, so it's, this is a particular detail about how what we refer to as Suyuja Mukti, which we find undesirable because there's no opportunity for for bhakti, for service there. What to speak of the Advaitin's perspective, we don't even accept it. We think, we think it's a fantasy that you can't, you can't be Brahman. You're not Brahman to begin with. So for the Advaitins, it's, it's difficult not to offend bhakti. Uh, there's a famous uh, statement in of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I think, in uh, maybe in Chaitanya Bhagavat, where all of a sudden in Navadvipa he says, yeah, there's a guy in Banaras. He says that, that, that Krishna is blind, deaf, dumb, and lame. And I must go and deal with him. He's referring to Prakashananda, who later he will liberate, who had this perspective, and this is the way Mahaprabhu interpreted it, if God has no form, no, no eyes, no ears, and, 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 and no mouth, and, and so forth, you know, he's, he's blind and deaf and dumb and no legs to walk. And so Mahaprabhu took the very idea as uh, offensive. So, it's, um, therefore, Maya Bhati Bhasha Shuni Lehoi Sarvanasha. Who entertains that philosophy, everything is lost. Hmm. So, uh, that said, Rupa Goswami explains in Bhaktivedanta Sindhu that there is a type of abhas of rati, bhav abhas. Rati bhav here means mean the same thing. Abhas means a shadow or a semblance of actual bhav. So when we're talking about when we talk about rati and bhav. We're talking about something that is the ray of the sun of prema. Sutta sattva visheshatma prema suryamsu. Prema surya sun amsu. Like a ray. Prema suryamsu. Sutta sattva visheshatma surya. What is Prema suryamsu. Samyabhak. He says that Sutta sattva visheshatma on the platform of Sutta sattva. Pure transcendental existence, uh, the some combination of chit, samvit and ladini enters the devotee and bhakti proper manifests in the form of rati, bhava, and that will be churned hmm, into prem. So when we talk about bhava, that's what we're talking about. And you can't just put that on a t-shirt, be in the bhava and be uh, talking about what we're talking about. Hmm. Um, I don't even like the idea of be, be in the Bob. Almost the being is... The, the Bob is it's not just being. It's active. Right? So, from what Rupa Goswami is describing in his tome, if you will, on bhakti, bhakti rasa, and a very extensive explanation of that ecstatic uh, uh, status. I mean, this section that I'm referring to now comes in the first uh, chapter, excuse me, the third chapter of the uh, first section of the book. Hmm? 
before he even gets into bhakti rasa. I mean, it's so, you know, and, and when you talk about bhakti rasa, he puts together the various ingredients, describes them, the different types, combined in different ways. It's a whole book about rasa, ultimately. There's a few chapters that precede rasa that are about what? That are about the generic basic description of, 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 of bhakti, uh, bhakti in practice, bhakti in bhava, which is the chapter I'm referring to in, in answer to your question, we'll go along with that, and bhakti in prem, and then bhakti rasa, the whole rest of the book, is the greater balance of the book. So it's a whole book about aesthetic transcendental rapture, ecstasy, right? I don't think you can find a book that is is uh, is such a detailed, uh, nuanced explanation of ecstasy, and it's important because we find different people with either epilepsy or ecstasy, or or, or what is it, hmm? or are there you know more uh, uh, splitting of the hairs or nuance, and so and there are so. Um, um, he describes two types of sh- a shadow or a semblance of the bhava that he's talking about, that, that is derived from bhakti, that, or that is that, that bhakti gives rise to. It's an aspect of bhakti, and and again, and then that's divided into sattvika bhavs, anubhavs, vibhavs, sanjari bhavs, stai bhav. Um, so just the, the broad category, bhava, is now just the ray, as he's talking about it in, 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 in the beginning, ray of the sun, hmm? of of bhava that will be, or rati that turns into rasa, right? So anyway, so he says there are two types of, of, of bhava that aren't exactly what... Uh, I'm talking about what he's talking about. Hmm? They're a shadow of that. Hmm? One of them is desirable and appears in the lives of devotees. If they attend, for example, a festival and it goes on and there's engagement all day long, there's chanting and dancing and and Bhagavad Gita and Prashadam and more Kirtan and so forth, there's a potential for them to become absorbed hmm? and experience a shadow of Bhava. Hmm? Um, so Chai Bhav Abbas. Chai means shadow. So a shadow semblance of the actual Bhava. And that's a great blessing. Hmm? And it comes, but it doesn't stay. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't predominate, and it may come for a moment, may come for an hour, may come for a day, three days, a week, may come for a month, three months, and still, it's not bhav proper. Um, so. Rupa Goswami talks about it more in a kind of the, the lower end, appearing in someone for a short period. And um, and so you can see how this is favorable. It kind of gives one some 
semblance and experience of of what life is like uh, beyond the uh, modes of nature and within the, uh, the lila. But there's another type of bhavabhas that he calls um, pratibimba. Pratibimba means reflection. So it's a reflection of actual bhava. And this appears in 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 jnanis or mayavadis. And um, so, and, and we're not interested in that. And that's not because that's not our path, and and that's not something that will turn into, if you will, um, that which is uh, our goal, our ideal. So, pratibimba, bhav abhas, and certain symptoms can come, like like repelation, the earlier symptoms and tears, and so forth, um, but. Um, here we have in the example that you're giving and you're asking about um, Madhusudan Saraswati saying something saying that it comes and it goes right it comes and it goes so if it goes then what is the good hmm? what he what he thinks that is better that one is left with um, it, it would be most likely um, just the the peace would be his idea of Brahman because um, Rati requires as Rasa does someone to interact with right hmm? so that's gone his idea is that the Jivan Mukta will relish the Leela if he's bhakti oriented will relish the Leelas of Krishna the pastimes of Krishna during the Jivan Mukta stage and taste uh, rati, and that's it would be his idea. That's what all the devotees really experience, and then you enter into Brahman, Indaya Mukti, and it's gone because there's 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 no one to interact with there. Now, why that would be more desirable that attainment of Brahman than the sweet taste of the rati interacting with with. Um, form of the Godhead. I mean, they don't really have an answer for that, other than, other than that the Godhead is only provisional, and uh, I guess they would look at it maybe as a high form of sattva or or, or or something like that. So, obviously, our teaching is quite uh, quite, quite different. And, um, and it seems doubtful, from what I've said, that um, with that kind of perspective, that um, Madhusudan Saraswati attained his, his goal. Hopefully, he's he's come back and and uh, is a devotee somewhere now. <laughs> that wouldn't be surprising. Does that help? Yeah. So you can you know you can find people like this. Um, some type of pratibimba. Bhakti Abbas, like as a famous hugging lady, hugging, hugging, Amma, hugging guru. So, something like that. And 
she's not doesn't have to be very philosophical, but um, she ties her, she connects her ecstasy and a persona hmm, that many people are attracted to. Philosophically, she uh, attaches it to Advaita Vedanta. Hmm. She herself is not a, not a real kind of a. a uh, a, um, how would you say, uh, like a uh, theologian. Hmm? Of course, you don't have to be, but um, but for a, a tattva and a philosophical ground hmm? to help her students get involved and so forth, she had, uh, attaches herself to or identifies with the Dvaita Vedanta. And she then worships Krishna and sometimes has some abbas and uh, and um, sometimes she dresses up like Krishna also, I've been told. But uh, she wouldn't be the only person in such schools to do that. So, extraordinary person, no doubt. Very, um, and uh, very, seems very kind-hearted, loving and so forth. But um, that's something different than what she's experiencing and advocating. It's something different than what we are, where there may be similarities. There's a significant difference, and that's where we have books like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu hmm? make such distinctions. What else? Anything else along those lines? Or is that a separate question? Follow up? No, staying staying with the Bhagavad Gita but it's a separate topic. What's your question? Okay, what's your question? Um when say the Mahaprabhu returns to Chakamakuri, he rejects his brother Krishna Das, who has been accompanying him uh, yes. in South India. So I was wondering, um, why does he make such harsh decisions? Krishna Das made a big mistake during the trip, but still it seems quite a big thing to be rejected by God. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also wondering, is there any reference like what happened to Krishna Das then later? Mm-hmm. Yes. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, as I sometimes say, in his Acharya Leela. So Acharya means uh, principally uh, one who's teaching by example. So when in that society, particularly at that time, if, if someone was accepted the renounced order of sannyas, they would stand out like a sore thumb because everyone's wearing white or amongst the men anyway, uh, typically. And uh, he's wearing saffron, that was the color for renunciates and so forth, right? And um, having stepped into that order, hmm, then he's stepping back from the world and the society and is automatically looked at as a teacher. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very concerned with, with preserving the, um, the dignity of the institution of sannyas, which he adopted as a as a method to uh, 
uh, help him in his dissemination of the teachings, because people would respect the sannyasi, and they, you know, he would create a teaching moment just by accepting the order, and, uh, and so forth. And he had found previously in Navadweep that um, some of the young young men um, um, uh, succumbed to kind of the adage, familiarity brings, breeds contempt amongst the students. And so he took sannyas, right? Um, to avoid that. And so he was very, very extremely uh, strict in the way he adhered to sannyas. In fact, there are nine other principal sannyasis in his mission who joined him. They came from different lineages, but they, they came and joined Mahaprabhu's circle. And they were all elderly and very heavy, staunch um, renunciates. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by comparison, was a young man. He took sannyas at uh, 24. And they were frightened by the extent to which he adhered to sannyas and exhibited um, vairagya or detachment. In fact, there are said to be six opulences that uh, Bhagawan, God, has in full. Wealth, fame, strength, knowledge, beauty, and renunciation. So, Bhairagya, renunciation, is one of them. And in the person of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then we saw this Bhairagya, opulence, manifest to a measure that the other sannyasis were intimidated by even his standard. So he, so he was extreme. Hmm? And what you're asking about is one of those extremes. Hmm? Um, but he did such extreme things just to underscore hmm, the uh, importance of um, of of the order and of um, for example being independent not being purchased by anyone the way he dealt with the king Pratipurudra Maharaj wouldn't go to see the king hmm? king is worldliness I go to the king, people think I'm bought by the king, so I don't want to do that. So these these types of things, right? Um, and um, and so with a similar idea in mind, hmm, he uh, did not keep um, Krishnas on as his assistant after returning from Bengal. Hmm. So, he might have been, let's say, criticized for keeping a devotee close to him who was had worldliness in his, in his mind. And, and in other words, I'm going to spend a lot of time with someone who's very interested in Krishna consciousness. I'm going to spend less time with a devotee who's less interested. That's natural. If I'm spending a lot of time with somebody who's not that interested, someone might start to wonder, what's Swami doing here? Hmm. Right? Um, he's not very interested. She's not very interested, but he's old. Um, in a modern example, it doesn't. it's really not accurate, but... Um, Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj 
early on when he started his mission, selected a young boy who later became Bhakti Sundar Govinda Maharaj. I think he might have been named Sundar Govinda Das or something like that, um, as his successor from a Brahmin family, intelligent boy, affectionate uh, to Pujapachita Maharaj and so forth. But at a certain point, what happened? He said, you will wear white, something like that. Oh. He, he did something. He hesitated. To do something. And then suddenly desires came in him later on. And then he, and then he married. Hmm. Okay. But Sridhar never let him out of his grip. Hmm. Never, let, never let go of him. Hmm. And so he had him at the temple, at the ashram, managing things and so forth, and, and he maintained, this would be my success, this would be my successor. And in the end, he made him take sannyas again, hmm, much later in his life, and he became a successor, and so forth. So, some of the god-brothers of Sridhar Maharaj, who revered him, still thought he has this one fault, he has this affection for that boy. Hmm. Why is he so affectionate to that boy? Hmm. He gave up sannyas. Oh, he had taken sannyas also as a young man from Sridhar And Sridhar said, you will wear white. And then it happened. So they faulted him slightly. So this is the point, right? So it's an example. Um, we know we find no fault, but people might think like that. Even other devotees might think like that. So Mahaprabhu was very cautious about this, because this is it. I'm here now, I'm Krishna, I'm here. this is my Acharya Leela, I'm teaching my by my example, Yadiracha Tisheshtas. As I said in the Gita, well, example speaks louder than precept. I have to come I have to follow the, the scripture and so on and so forth. This is external, right? Yuga Dharma, he's the avatar for the Yuga and so forth. So so he didn't keep Krishna Das in his company. He released him. Hmm. However, there is a, another self of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm. and his name is Nityananda Prabhu. Nityananda Prabhu Kijai. He's considered the other self. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas as a method for preaching and extending his outreach, which it did, also along with that ashram came some limitations. Hmm. That means that as a sannyasi, he couldn't go to certain places, otherwise he automatically would be faulted. If he went to the brothel, for example, uh, I saw the sannyasi at the brothel the other night, you know, no one's going to think, well, he must have been there preaching to somebody. <laughs> That's not the way misery loves company. You know? So people are miserable, they're going to they're fault him and say, yeah, yeah, he's just like, I'll just see, why should I listen to him? Hmm? So there was a slight limitation. There was, there was a fellow who's a scholar who, uh, who who's a godbrother of mine and he, he came up with this idea some years ago that PhD is the new dunda for the times in which we live. Dunda meaning sannyas. So he was praising his own position, really, as a PhD. Now, getting a PhD is quite a bit different than receiving a danda and a mantra and all that that involves. 
what he meant by it was that you could create a teachable moment by that. Hmm? So, um, maybe, but maybe not. Hmm? And, um, I had asked him if he had interest in endorsing one of my books, and he wrote back to me and said that, oh, I, I, I really can't do that because my publisher is very cautious of you know, which books I, pub- I, I endorse and, and so forth. And, 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 um, and I, I didn't really buy it, but, 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 but yes, in academics you may be, have to be careful what you do you have to stay within the academic standards and so forth, which, which in an extent alienates you from lots of people. And, and I said, oh, well, I said, well, so much for your idea that the Dunda is, you know, the new sannyasi. And then he wrote back, he said, yes, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by, as a sannyasi, also had some limitations within his sannyas. Hmm? Because I said to him, "Well, you know, you, 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 you're not independent. You know, you can't endorse my book, even though you'd like to, <laughs> because your publisher won't let you." So, so much for the, you know, the danda, which is uh, for the sannyasi means he's independent. Hmm? Then he wrote back and said, "Well, actually, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was limited by the sannyasi; could only do certain things." I didn't bother to write back. That, that was my way. It's, that sounds. That's a louder reply sometimes. You just don't write back. So I didn't. But um, what I could have said, of course, was, um, yes, this Anyasa Mahaprabhu limited him to where he go, where he could go, and what he could do, but not what he could say. Hmm? Didn't put a muzzle on what what he could say, or limit his ability to uh, express his heart. And speak with feeling, hmm? which is, of course, what, just what academia does. It wants to take all the feeling out, out of everything, right? Um, and um, and so, I don't quite see it as uh, as a um, we create a teachable moment by by a good example for the public. But at any rate, um, uh, there were some limitations that the sannyas order placed on Mahaprabhu in terms, as I say, of restricting him where he could go and where he couldn't go. And so what he did to make up for that and to tender to people like Krishnadas hmm, was to extend himself and his heart and his mercy beyond the limits of what he could do within sannyas to and through Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm. So the the mercantile class, for example, that had been that had been um, ostracized from the Hindu community, Varnashram system, and so forth, in Bengal, um, uh, Mahaprabhu didn't personally uh, tender to them. This is an example where the Hindu orthodoxy rejected them by the influence of the king. They shouldn't have, but they did, and um, and so you know to be careful. He's establishing a sampradaya. If the Hindu orthodoxy was to reject him, again, same similar problem as we're talking about. So he sent Nityananda Prabhu to do that, right? Preach in Bengal, 
and he widely preached and liberated everybody there, made so many devotees, and so on and so forth. And in regard to Krishnadas in particular, when Mahaprabhu came back and said, he can't be my assistant anymore. And everybody felt like you did. Oh my God. For Krishnadas. But Mahaprabhu wasn't really lacking in mercy or affection for him, but he was doing a difficult thing. Hmm? Like Ram was doing a difficult thing in uh, Ramchandra, in his uh, in his uh, kingdom, after after the slaying of Ravana and so forth, and then uh, do you know the story? Uh, Ram heard some people. Ram was very intent on having perfect moral character, hmm? so he heard some. He went incognito within the kingdom to hear what people were saying, see if there was any any problems in the gossip, and some couple of guys were criticizing Ram for taking back Sita after she'd been with another man, Ravana. And of course that was totally bogus, but what he chose to do was to banish Sita, that people wouldn't think like that. For the devotees, their heart just plummets, right? Um, but he's doing, he, there's a bigger thing that he's involved in. So it's Leela, right? Setting a certain example. So similarly with Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu had the morality of a Ram. Hmm? And he had the inner world of, of Krishna, of, of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? Um, so what happened to Krishna Das was Nityananda Prabhu immediately picked him up. And Nityananda Prabhu gave him some service. Now, it's not that bad. If Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, I can't keep him as my servant anymore, but Nityananda Prabhu says, I have some service for you. So what did Nityananda Prabhu give him to do? Nityananda gave him the service. Go back to Bengal and tell the devotees in Bengal that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has returned from South India. So here is Krishna Das, rejected apparently, and now he goes to Bengal. And he arrives and he tells Sachi and then the others that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has returned from South India. He becomes a hero. Everybody loves him. Krishna Das, huh, what news you brought us? And what was it like in South India? What happened and so forth? So he became, he became the object of affection and attention for all the devotees in Bengal, and then by Nityananda's grace, what service he gave him. And then, of course, they began to make plans to come to Puri during, in the following year and, and observe the Radharathiyatra and Chaturmasi with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu again. So he got a very um, um, great blessing. And so this is the work of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's doing that through Nityananda Prabhu, but externally, He's showing a different face. You follow? Krishna Das Kijai. Mahaprabhu Kijai. Sri Nityananda Ram Kijai. Any questions? Yeah, I heard some lectures from Saragarthi this year. Where you, uh, you gave um, kind of like a new way of looking at Bhagavad Gita 3, 27 and 28. 
it's about that um, like we think we're doing things that are actually done by the modes of nature. Uh, and then verse 28 is saying that for those who know the truth about the, the difference between yourself and the modes, but you, you seem to say that you think to give a more generous reading of it, saying that it's, it doesn't apply to everyone in the material world, that they're just kind of puppets, but you can actually have some. The verse says, Prakriti, 27, Prakriti Kriya Manani Gunai Karmani Sarvasa, Hankara Vimulat Bakarta Hamatimanyate. It says that people think themselves to be the doers of things that are in actuality performed by the gunas. Hmm? They're foolish. Hmm? Um, and so there are things, for example, that the brain is doing that we're not doing, but we think we're doing it. Hmm? Or the body is doing, let's say. The brain's part of the body, but in other parts of the body. We think we're doing it, but actually the body is, 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 is doing that. It's a way of saying, you're actually not the body. Foolish people think they're the bodies. But then there are those who don't, and the next verse, and their position is different. Hmm? So, um, um, what I think I, I might have been saying there, and emphasizing, is that while this verse is saying that the, that the, that the jiva is not the doer, of things that are actually performed by material nature, but only thinks he's the doer of those things, that does not do away with the fact that the jiva is ultimately, ha- uh, consciousness has causal efficacy. And without that, kind of turning on material nature, subtle material nature, the whole show can't go on. Hmm? Um, so it's not the whole picture. Self, the jiva, is one of the causes of, of action, as Krishna describes later in the Gita, and 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 also, yes, um, well, um, it, it, in other words, it's the, it's the verse is not saying the jiva has no will. In the Yoga Sutra, the the, the teaching is that the the atma, the purusha, has no will; it's just a witness. It has no agency, just sits there. Hmm? That's not our teaching. That's not what, and that's not what the Gita is saying in that verse. But it is distinguishing between I'm doing something, actually, material nature is doing it. But I've turned on material nature, and only then is it possible for that um, to happen, so to speak. And furthermore, um, this verse is cited by Baldi Bidibusan in his. Govinda Basha, commentary on Vedanta Sutra, where he's explaining that the, that, the, that the Atma has efficacy as will. And the, um, uh, he makes the point that if the jiva does not have any will, then what is the point of the scriptures which say, don't do this and don't do that? Who is to, making the decision to do this or do that? Just the modes of nature? Hmm? Is the scripture just talking to the modes of nature that... that do, you should do good or you should... Do, no, it's talking to the self, right? So we have to... The self is is acting in such a way often that it... In, as to ensure that it will continue to... the same circle of actions. Hmm? Right? 
and acting in such a way as to foster the Tao to continue to respond to those circumstances in that way. It gets trapped in, in, in almost, the more you be, the, the, the lower down you go, so to speak, on the scale of life in terms of complexity, hmm? from humans to mammals, whatever, and on down, the the less um, um, the agency of the jiva is active. Hmm? That's why we don't um, uh, attribute good or bad karma to, to animals and what they do. Hmm? But we do to humans. So there has to be a distinction between animals and humans. Even even the low-grade humans, <laughs> if you will, the dvipadapashus, the two-legged. But the more they become like two-legged animals, well, then, you know, the more their atma is, 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 is covered, you can say. Right? But still you can talk to them. Bring them out. They are human beings, and there's a huge distinction. You're not going to get a monkey to light a fire. Don't wait for that to happen. So... It's a huge. There's a huge distinction between the humans and the um, and the other forms of forms of life, and it, this is the the, the the distinction that it has. Its capacity to be an, a causal agent hmm, has come to the surface. Hmm? So human life affords. So we can talk to them and say, "Don't do this," and this is why. And make give it by association, get them to exercise their will in such a way as to change. Therefore, there are Alcoholics Anonymous and this um, program and that program. Who's it talking to? Mm-hmm. And the scripture is saying the same thing on different levels. There are scriptures that speak to us about moral life and uh, and what we should do, what we shouldn't do. Um, there's uh, scriptures that. Uh, um, well, I won't go into that, but tell you how to do all kinds of things. Hmm? <laughs> this is better than that, or but, yeah. and so some of you have to be making a decision, right? In there, it's not talking to the modes of nature. That's not what it's talking to. It's talking to the self, hmm? and in one sense, the entirety of the scripture is trying to bring out the self. Hmm? If it acts in the right way karmically, hmm? then, and it's going to become. Um, uh, uh, then the, the, the lower modes of nature that are going to suppress its capacity to act voluntarily mm, are going to be diminished, right? Mm. You act religiously, it's going to become sattvic, and so forth, and then acquire into Brahman. So the whole of scripture is meant to do that, and it's talking too. To the, to the Atma. It's not addressing itself to the modes of nature that are doing things. So the Atma thinks it's doing. Mm-hmm. Understand? So in that way, you know, it applies to everybody. that help? Yeah. Okay. What's the time? Alright, we'll stop there. Shishidaji Gopal, okay, Jai. Uri Vaishnav Guru Parampara, okay, Jai. Or Bhaktivrinda, okay, Jai. Or Pramanandi. Guru Maharaj, Jai.